Hello everyone, this is a Discord conversation. I'm Job and my guest today is writer John Buck. John, what brought you hi. to Discord? Yeah, hi. Uh, I've actually been uh, kind of following you a little bit just from first from Paul Vanderclay's channel and then uh, yeah, just recently been trying to get more into the Discord. It's so active, it's hard to really, really feel like I've I'm following up with everything that's going on there, though. Yeah, it, it, it tends to come and go. It's usually a bit slower, but once the Americans start waking up, the uh, the traffic <laughs> increases. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. You're on the other side of the world there, so where it's, uh, while things are picking up over here, you're, you're just going to bed. It, yeah, right now it's 11 over there for you. Yeah, yeah, it's Friday, so it's cool. Oh yeah, so yeah. How, how'd you end up finding this? Was that a Vanderclay thing, or? Yeah, I think it was. Um, Vanderclay had mentioned it in one of the his YouTube videos. Like, I, I kind of felt bad, or bad, or not bad, but I always felt, I, I guess, left out because I would have really liked to go to uh, any of his uh, Peterson meetups that he he's done. But they're all in California, and I'm just kind of off in the middle of nowhere in the uh, in the Midwest. So, uh, yeah, it felt like a good chance to uh, actually uh, interact with some of the other Petersonians and Vanderclites, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, it's it's too bad that the states is just so big. It's it's hard to mm -hmm. meet people. Yeah. But how did that happen for you? How did you run to Vanaclay? Um, yeah, it must have been from, I guess, my <laughs> delving into Peterson's work. Uh, I remember Vanderclay's first like commentaries on uh, his videos back when uh, Paul had the whole kind of Moses look with the big old beard. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. been following him for a while and most of his uh, commentary work. He, he he does so much work, though, and now it's like hard to keep track of everything. But, yeah. Yeah. And, Go ahead. And, and I don't know, for for you? The, the kind of the same thing? Yeah, that, that was Peterson. That was, well, um, I mean, after I got into Peterson, I was spending time on the subreddit, which... Mm -hmm has seen better days, I must say. But, I mean, back then, people would still post sort of Peterson-related content. And one of mm -hmm. those was a, a video by Paul, and I, I I watched that, and that was just, uh, yeah, that kind of got the whole ball rolling. And then I started really wondering what the hell was going on, because mm -hmm. I noticed I started to reconsider my stance on God. And, well... That, that, that's how that because happened. of Paul or be, like from Peterson as well? I think it was a combination. I mean, Peterson showed me that there was more to these stories than I had been raised to believe uh, from a combination of going to a very literalist rural village right. school where basically, you know, dinosaurs hadn't existed and all this mm -hmm. sort of stuff. So, you know, Peterson through his Bible series just takes that very seriously at a whole different level. So that already got me like, oh, you know, this guy's interesting. I'd never thought about that before, like this. But then there's there's mm -hmm. a video of Paul talking about the axiomatic God and the the, the 
more of the the personal God, the God one, God two thing in the Sam Harris yeah. Uh, discussion. Yeah, I still think. Yeah, that I think really... that's one of Paul's greatest uh, kind of additions to this conversation is actually like putting a fine point to the distinctions between kind of the uh, uh, almost like the, the existential ground of all being uh, that Peterson kind of uses, which you can kind of like put a metaphor of a personality onto and, and, and like you're still interacting with God number one as in a sense in that you're acting and you're acting off of your values and you're sac making sacrifices, things uh -huh. like that. But, and then there's the, uh, I guess the traditional, or I, I don't know how traditional really it is, but since both elements were, are kind of have a strong history, but, but at least the uh, commonly understood version of God that, uh, of God number two with the personal being that, I don't know, ha having a sense of a, re a relationship with that. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to really transition from one into the other. I, I, I'm not even so sure it's, exactly possible myself yeah because uh, what is your position yeah, yeah so i it's kind of similar to you in a sense that I, I was raised in a very much literalist understanding of, of the bible but it, this wasn't even uh it, it does it, i was i was raised in a kind of more seclusionist uh group that interpreted the Bible kind of individually, and, and also like from different teachers and things from uh, people found online. Uh, and it's, and very much kind of having that uh, like disregard for science or uh, the church, things like that. It's, uh, and yeah, so that that's a, that's was my original like raising up in, in, in the Bible. and. Uh, I don't know, with, with Peterson, he, he had a very different way of looking at the things to the point where it didn't, it's almost like it, it was very, it was almost seems like there was a greater importance placed upon them in that you're not just taking it literally as like a historical document, uh, but actually seeing how the stories, like what is the purpose and the meaning behind the stories and how do they apply to ourselves in our day-to-day -day lives because that's kind of the thing with like history is that if something historically happened but it's not relevant to you in how you live out your life then it it, it can it can almost be uh disregarded in a sense mm -hmm. so for myself I, i've i don't know lately been well i i'm very conflicted i guess in a mm -hmm. sense because i i still hold a strong loyalty to my family and their faith but i i've been finding a lot of the i guess inconsistencies or insufficiencies to uh, that kind of individualistic interpretation model for the bible and religion in general and i've been looking more towards uh i guess more orthodox versions of uh christianity but that's, uh, that's the thing it's still still very much kind of up in the air and it's hard to really get myself to do anything um with with strong consequences or, or uh, firm action anything like that 
What what draws you there though? Because it's it's often a, a thing heard that that people are more interested in the the more orthodox versions of Christianity nowadays. Right. I, I think okay. So there's a element to religion that it has been neglected in, in some sense, in that it it has this kind of strong foundational uh, structure to it that allows people to talk the same language, interact in, in, in a, a shared way, and also have a like shared mythology at, and core to their identity a, a, as people that they can share with other people. A, and I think that the, the longer standing religions like uh, Orthodoxy or Catholicism have that kind of identity aspect to it. Of, of course, I, I, I don't know, I'm kind of speaking out of ignorance because I haven't been a part of any other uh, strong identity uh, faith like that. Like I, I, I'm sure Judaism has that and maybe even Anglican, Anglicanism has parts of that as well. But as for like orthodoxy itself, uh, I, I think the a strong element to it, it is how the different people that I've found that are orthodox just seem like much better and, and unique uh, novel people that are, would are like worth wanting to become like. And so that's something that kind of lends the idea of orthodoxy to kind of creep in and become a option in some sense. Could you, could you elaborate a bit on that? Like what about those people? Yeah. Okay. So like Jonathan Pajot, he, he uh, did a mm. video a while back uh, and actually a recent one too. That's pretty interesting about comparing like what is the symbolic understanding or the literal understanding of, of the Bible. Uh, and and I, the way that he's able to frame both the, the kind of, I guess, literalist understanding as well as the symbolic understanding it shows that he has a better grasp of what's like going on here and, and has a better understanding between these two kind of positions uh, another kind of figure uh in orthodoxy that has reached uh, has stood out to me as being uh important and, and fascinating it has been a uh, nicholas or nasim taleb nicholas uh, nasim nicholas taleb who's kind of like uh, yeah, he's Greek Orthodox. Well, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's funny because like you read some of his books and he writes in such a uh, almost scientific and, and very straight laced thinker. But then he's yeah, he's Greek Orthodox and, and he actually he has a very good understanding of like religion, but he's able to explain it in a way that even secular people are able to kind of rethink. Um, there, there ways like a, there's a couple of people I've talked to on Twitter that have become uh, either Catholic or Orthodox from reading Nassim Taleb. Okay, yeah, that's interesting because my brother is like really into that guy, my older brother. Oh yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I gotta, I gotta check in on him. Like, hey, you know, how you doing? Thinking about church lately? So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing about him is he, he really brings home the point that people aren't people don't live well by themselves like they kind of need a uh, 
a disbursement of thinking around them that they can kind of communicate and, and interact with. Like there's the uh, the wisdom of crowds and also the madness of crowds that that can happen. Where if you're unaware of that, then you're just going to be taken up by it. But uh, it, he 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 brings in how by having some sort of religious framework to work within. And it's also, I guess, for Dostoevsky, which uh, I've been, who's also Eastern Orthodox, which is funny. Uh, that, that element of, yeah, ha having, a, I guess, a worldview and a structure to live within, uh, of a, a social structure, really, to live within that can be almost, almost necessary, well, I guess, necessary for uh, living as a person. But of course, the necessity of that is certainly disputed by many. Uh, and, and I guess it's been shown uh, through many examples as well of people that haven't needed to live within that framework. Mm. Yeah, I do wonder if it's not the case for the majority of humanity, though. Yep. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing is like, if we have this idea that we're the exception to the rule, then. Uh, we're just going to end up being taken by these, uh, what is it? We're going to be taken up by the, uh, the larger components within us. <laughs> That's something I mentioned on Twitter is the, there's the aspect of, uh, the elephant and the writer. And we asked a bit on uh, discord, how we have this idea that we're fully in control of who we are and what we're, what we want and what we're going to do. But, uh, there, there's aspects to ourselves that kind of take 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 over in a sense that like we want to do certain things, but we don't have any like rational basis to uh, defend it. And then, at least from my understanding, our the rational basis is something that's done kind of post hoc. Like we have these intuitions and ideas, and then we act upon them, and they. Seem to be working better than their alternative, and so we have to kind of create some sort of justification to make it reasonable, just so that we can uh, defend ourselves when questioned by others. Mm. Yeah. But so, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, and uh, I'm losing my train of thought. It it was about also not not just listening to the elephant, but also you're still sort of rationally trying to understand why the things are, that you're doing are having benefit. Like for instance, mm -hmm. you know, you are considering Orthodox church. You might not really believe that. I don't know because you haven't talked about that yet, but you understand the, um, the benefits you would gain from it, from engaging in the rituals yeah. and the community. Right. And, and that's the thing. It's, that's the barrier that I'm, I, I guess, kind of wrestling with, where I can, like, believe in God number one and believe that there's something more to it than just, like, a psychological component. Mm -hmm. But it, it's hard to, I guess, get myself to fully believe in the God number two or, or actually, because, I, I don't know, it's, it's such a much deeper uh, leap of faith to work on, I think, because... I don't know. It, 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 it's so far outside of the, I guess, modernist, secularist kind of 
framing of things. Like even even Nassim Taleb, like he doesn't talk about religion in the God number two kind of sense. He talks about it in very much the kind of Petersonian or Jonathan Haidt or David Sloan Wilson sense, like using a kind of secular framework to reason for why religion is more beneficial for the individual or for the community as well. But um, that's the thing, like for the people inside that, that's not like they're their writer's understanding of why they do these things. Like they're doing these things from the God number two kind of perspective. Yeah. And, and that is a more difficult thing to engage with because that is, that is the God that willed things to exist yeah. with, a, with a purpose. <laughs> and I mean, that means you have a purpose and this conversation has a purpose and everything matters suddenly. And that is just, transformative on every level so yeah. <laughs> yeah that's just oh yeah i'm not ready for that either yeah <laughs> and that's the thing too like even if i like i i could definitely say that i i believe in god number two and perfectly act in alignment with that because like i understand all the lingo and all that to that but mm. just watching how i act i i see how often i don't truly believe that do you know what i'm saying like there's a way that in which you can kind of delude yourself into thinking that oh this thing doesn't have have any purpose to it like it, this is fine like it doesn't matter that i do this or don't do this or something like that because i don't know it, at least in this moment it doesn't have that same weight to it that i don't know later time at later times it does have that weight mm, isn't that comparable to sin almost that yeah exactly <laughs> it's it, it's so much easier to uh sin when you don't think that there's any real consequences to it no but also even when you know that there are consequences you're still going to sin because well that's just what you do so mm -hmm. well you know you, you hope god will have mercy and show you grace and you go from there right. at least that's that's how i tend to view it when i when i try to view it as something that is that is true with a capital T. Mm -hmm. And, well, I, I can't go further Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the thing. It's like, that's the, I mean, like, what else are you going to really do <laughs> for these types of things that are outside of your control? You got to just kind of place the uh, hope into something outside of your control. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds like something JP would say as well. Like you have to aim for that that thing outside and above of you, if if you have any mm -hmm. hope of 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 reaching anywhere uh, above your your current sorry state, Bucko. And <laughs> yeah, so so on on the short term, do you have any any goals of like trying out local Orthodox Church? Yeah, I've been to uh, a couple Orthodox churches now. I've been. <laughs> attending semi-regularly usually like every week and a half or every two weeks or so uh it's, it's kind of hard because i've been working uh sundays like certain shifts at, at my job but actually I, I just got a new job and i'll have sundays off so i'll probably be attending uh every week plus there's a church that's just on the same road as mine and, and i've been uh interacting with them and, and talking uh with them there's a orthodox girl that uh, i've been uh, kind of 
driving places to and from church for her since she, um, yeah, doesn't have a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been part of a, uh, like a Q and a kind of session with them, which I don't know. It kind of feels weird because it's, they talk like a lot of inside baseball type stuff there, but it's also like very helpful in just getting a better understanding for the, the terms and the way that they understand things there. Uh, like actually discussing like, what does liturgy mean? What does communion mean? All, all these types of things that like, it, it's hard to tell exactly. Um, I don't know. I, I think for a lot of the people that are like raised in the faith, they'll, have kind of an intuitive sense to these types of things, but it's very nice to actually get a firm grasp on what the the terms are and what the the reasons for why they they do the certain things during the liturgy there, and, and actually getting it from somebody with a, a good experience being the, the the priest there. That sounds like a very good experience. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the one. So yeah, yeah, I guess like, short. Yeah, for short term, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I can't really predict what I'm going to be doing in the future because it's kind of like I'm, I'm just along for the ride, really. Uh, but I, I, I'm guessing that at some point in the future, I'll be gravitated more towards uh, more, uh, more structuralized religion. Just, just because, I don't know, that when you're part of a church... Uh, that's or, okay. It, if you have kind of the Petersonian or individualistic understanding of religion, it's very much, it's almost narcissistic in, in that like you have your own specific understanding for all faiths or, or and, and like you're the, <laughs> you're a part of a church where you're the only one true member and you're the only one that's figured out what's, what's right and what, what's not right. Uh, it, it, I don't know, it feels like such a, uh, a limited approach to be able to actually communicate with other people. And I think that by actually having some sort of structuralized uh, identity, that is just something that I can resort to. That way I don't have to try to like relearn every single thing out there. Cause like that would just be kind of a waste of time really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and just to be able to kind of work off from off of that. And, and that's what I think like orthodoxy does have some of the things that I need uh as a individual and personality like the there's a lot of i don't know core core thinkers that i i really feel in in tune with like uh dostoevsky and nasim taleb and uh jonathan peugeot those are all kind of like three uh thinkers that i would not mind at all becoming much more like right yeah and i I would say there's something strange about holding to individualism where you're trying to be part of a body. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, it's so kind of foreign from Western thinking where, uh, I don't know, e- each person's individuality and uniqueness are the most important aspects to them. And like, yeah, it's, it's true. But I, I think that in order to actually get that fullest extent to who a person is, is, is a little bit of a reliance on, uh, I don't know. Well, there's a, a, a lot of reliance on like just what you're going to be doing with your your life. Like that's the other thing that I think is kind of 
useful and necessary to religions that is it's it's a very practical way of actually organizing the family unit across time that uh it, it's kind of hard to uh i don't know this modern experiment with uh this the sexual market between men and women seems almost too too risky to really invest into and i think that um I don't know, I've seen from a lot of people as well that they have kind of invested from the modern way of dating and things like that. And just it, it, a lot of broken homes with divorces and things like that, that uh, it, it seems, yeah, it, it, I, I think that by having this kind of core shared aspect of uh, faith be, between the entire family, it, there's, I don't know, something stronger to it that you can put more trust into and uh, more expectation into without having to like worry about divorces or cheating or anything like that. Yeah. Because you have that shared story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the thing. Like it feels wrong in a way to be moved towards or be motivated to becoming religious, like structuralized religious purely for the selfish reasons or, or the God number one kind of um, Darwinian reasons, anything like that. It, it seems like almost like I'm tricking the people or it's not really tricking. It's like I'm there for a different reason than all of them are. And it yeah, feels like feel, there's a sense of lying going on. You feel disingenuous. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's hard too, because like when, you're talking with them. Like I can talk kind of their language, but they're they're operating on a very different um, like understanding of the world than than I am, and it's hard to really I don't know, bridge that gap. Hmm. Do you really think so that they live on a, on a different understanding of the world than you do that much? I mean, it's not that much. Like, that's the thing. For <laughs> even for the, the strictly religious people, like fully on, like the the the, uh, the priests and the pastors, they're still able to like communicate about other things. Like, they can talk about science and, and like astronomy and uh, sports uh, and movies, all, all those other types of things. And, and right. like uh, on those areas, like there's a like we're operating off of the same framework, but. Uh, for for I don't know for somebody that is looking at religion through the God number one lens, and, and then for somebody else who's looking at or who exists within religion from the God number two lens, it's 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 hard to really translate that, at least for for myself. Yeah, I, I think I know what you're getting at in the sense that. It's, it's different to act in the world when you know that God is also a part of that world in the personal way. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, okay, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, I, I have the same yeah. thing. And, and it's something that, like, go ahead. Oh, I was saying I have the same thing in church, and the best I can do is be very, very transparent. Right, yeah. And that's good that like you're you've been able to find a church that has 
actually like welcoming t- towards you. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. For myself, I, 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 I'm kind of like halfway in between. I mean, it's not halfway. It's like the faith that I, I grew up in. I, 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 it's hard to fully believe it in the same way that I did growing up. Like, there's still a lot that they believe in that, like, the age of the earth and evolution and dinosaurs and things like that, that they, they kind of reject that I, I don't know, at least as of yet, it hasn't been proven false to me. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's, like, so at, at least in that sense, like, they're operating on a very different kind of framework for understanding the world. And because they don't have the... I guess, like access to conforming that knowledge into their their worldview, that it, it seems like there's something there's something quite distinct. That maybe it, it's a case that both both worldviews can't cohere with each other, and that you have to give up something in order to uh, get the most out of. Being, having that religious identity. Yeah, there's always going to be that leap in between. I mean, even if you you would pray together, your your mm-hmm. prayers are always going to feel different. I think than yeah. than their genuine prayers towards a God that's real and life and with them and in everything. And yeah, yep. uh, until you get there, the best you can do is just try what you can, man. Yeah, and, and okay, so. Hmm. I, some of my projects over the last, I guess, year and, and also the last month uh, has been trying to really, f- for myself, what the differences are that, that's going on. How, uh, how does it make a difference if or is not a god or, or in the personal sense? Does it make I don't a know. Uh, Can you repeat yeah. the question? Sure. Uh, what, like, how much of a difference does it make if there is or if there is not a God in the personal kind of understanding, God number two sense? If there's not a God number two and all there is is just the God number one. Um, and, and it's... I, I, I think it kind of does, but even though I know that it does and, and like there's serious ramifications, if it is just the God number one, then. God number one is, is kind of in the Paul sense, you know, the structure of all structures, right? That, that, which is yeah. that perfect thing that exists through which everything has its existence, but that is not the thing mm. that has a, that's not the person of all persons who has a, a invested, a vested uh, interest in in humans and wants us to do certain things. Basically, is that which became God to dwell with us and die with us. And I think mm-hmm. that's fundamental yeah. because. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh yeah, like that's the other aspect of uh, Paul that he's been bringing in is group A and group B, where like is this a class of objects or a class of persons? And so you can kind of you can think of God as almost like a 
I guess, meta class of objects or, or a meta class of interactions between objects, uh, like an abstraction, kind of in a Petersonian sense. But it's, um, I don't know why, it, it's, it's, it's so, such a leap to really uh, including him in, in, in a class of persons. Because, like, I mean, I accept that you're a person, and I accept that I'm a person in the sense that I'm like an agential actor that ha does things with intention and has feelings and a subjective experience, all, all, all of that. So I, I don't know why it would be so, such a weird thing to really think about, okay, like, where did, where did I come from? If, like, if the aspect of personhood is a quality to the universe, is it so strange to think that the... I guess highest aspect to the universe also has a uh, personal component to it. Well, I, I I would think that that it is fundamentally now now let's see if I get you right here. Would you agree with me that your current worldview is fundamentally that there is no final way that anything matters, like our existences, like deep down there's some uh, <laughs> nihilism there. No, 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 no. Uh, it's it, I, I. It's really a problem with my uh, uh, writer. I would say because, like, I can accept like my writer can accept the god number one easily enough, and, and I think like my uh, my elephant like seeks out the uh, god number two, and, mm. and even in moments of vulnerability, uh, are is very much pulled towards that god number two. It's hard. For, for me to um, like put me into the psychological state of being accepting uh, of the reality of, of the God number two. Yeah, but then I wonder what what is preventing that? Is that accountability? Is that... Like, do you know where that comes from? Well, I mean, like w one definite thing is probably the desire to continue sinning without the uh, recognition of it being ultimately uh, ulti having an ultimate negative uh, component to it. Uh, and, and so that, that would be at least one way. Um, well, but probably that, also that, that, is, component. that is huh? some sort of nihilism in the end. Like if well, okay, let, let, let me see if I can get this straight. Mm -hmm. If the problem with, uh, let's say, reconciling the idea of a, a personal God is that uh, it's, it's, it sounds like accountability, the need to keep sitting, well, no, maybe that doesn't correlate with, with, with an underlying nihilism. It, it, does, it does sound like agency is an issue. Yeah, that's the other thing is uh, it's very hard to not think of myself as the uh, creator and, and sustainer of my own universe. And not sustainer in, in a large sense, but like the director of my own universe. Oh, I but think. you are to a degree. I mean, depends if you want to have or hell. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I, I recognize that having myself as the director to my own universe will ultimately lead in hell. But it, it's the hell that I kind of like. And it's the doors uh, locked from to... the inside. Yeah, yeah, that's what Lewis yeah. says. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's 
my favorite book of Lewis's, the uh, the Great Divorce. Right. Okay. So yeah, yeah, that's that's the problem. I need some sort of better elephant trainer that is able to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to to change my uh, inner state to be less, I guess, egoistic or more comfortable with giving up control. Because that's the thing, like, if there is no God number two, then, like, you're ultimately giving up control to a mindless universe. And then you're just going to be kind of the uh, the pawn to these underlyingly stupid or not stupid or mindless or uh, dumb. And not in a derogatorial sense, just in a, like, that's, it's a fact that there it's mindless. So that is kind of like one aspect of where it's, like, um, I don't know, the, the idea of uh, Joseph Henrik, he kind of has this idea that there's evolution through group cooperation. Like, well, people will come to have taboos and um, different intuitions for things, but and which will have a evolution, evolutionarily uh, successful purpose to it. But they have no like understanding of what that purpose is or why it's it's a good thing or something like that. But ultimately, they're kind of hmm. It, it, it's it's yeah. It, it's very hard to put trust into something that you're not exactly sure exists in the in the sense that it requires it to exist. Like I can put a certain amount of trust and, and uh, like, I don't know, a, a divulgence of my own personal agency towards God number one, but it, I, I can't get myself to put the entirety uh, of that be, until I, I feel, I guess, more sure that it's actually God number two. Mm, that's interesting. Mm. Because, I mean, in the meantime, you could just be acting like that's the case and see what that does. I'm not a very good actor, though. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, that's okay. the thing. Like, I, I, can, I can act fairly well when I'm around other people, but it's much harder to act when you're all alone and yeah, by yeah. yourself. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you could consider repenting every evening and see what, the, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so, but we have about 20 minutes and, and I, I there's something I wanted to, to at least mention. So mm -hmm. you've written a play uh, called The mm -hmm. Antinatalist. Yes. And I'm not really familiar with antinatalism. So I went, like what sensible modern people do, I went to the subreddit. <laughs> oh no. And I looked at, I looked at the top posts and well, people are still talking about it in the general channel right now because, like, look at these people. Because, wh what do you make of that that subreddit? It's just awful. It's it's so negative. Yep. So okay, <laughs> just to uh, clarify a point that I'm not an antinatalist. Uh, I, I was first introduced to antinatalism from uh, Peter like debate that he had with David Benatar. And, and I think Peterson even mentioned his book during his uh, uh, biblical series. And so I, I started researching 
uh, David Benatarian, read his book and, and have been uh, following kind of closely or, or somewhat closely, I guess, the different people that are anti-nation. Like there's a lot of people on Twitter and uh, there's a Discord and on YouTube and, and uh, yeah, the subreddit and, and reading some of their stuff and listening to their arguments, things like that. <laughs> Simply because uh, I, I think that Peterson lost that debate with David Benatar because he Benatar was operating off of a rigorous and like philosophically sound worldview that I don't think Peterson actually has. Um, and I, I guess my task that I unintentionally folded myself into was trying to figure out how how to argue against David Benatar, given that Peterson, who this kind of figure I, I've been I don't know, following and looking up to in a sense as a, uh, <laughs> I, I guess, idealistic father figure-ish type, uh, how, how to, uh, I don't know, work against those arguments themselves, given what I know and, and other things that I've put research into. And so, yeah, I, I wrote a play that's almost like a, like a dialogue between an antinatalist and these uh, five other worldviews. One of them being kind of a Petersonian-esque worldview, another being kind of the almost naive God number two worldview, uh, uh, an another being the kind of very rationalist, um, individualist, uh, objectivist worldview, uh, another being, I guess, the spiritual but not religious type, kind of open to anything and out, out, that's out there worldview, and then finally a, a, a Nietzschean. Like a full-on nihilist, but okay with it, or not even nihilist. I don't know. I, I don't know if I would really classify Nietzsche as a nihilist, but uh, at yeah. least like I know, fully I know accepting of God's death and accepting of our place as humanity in accepting that uh, that void mm. in it in God's stead. And so, yeah, I, I spent like all my free time over like a year writing this play between these six different perspectives and all their arguments and pitting them up against each other with, I don't know, as best as I can, the, the steel man for every single kind of perspective and like what actual objections do they have? And like, are there actually places and weaknesses between each different worldview? And so, yeah, I, I wrote the play and then I reached out to uh, some of my friends on Twitter to uh, see if I could get them to kind of like voice act for it. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, that, that was very fun to finally actually being able to uh, produce something in a, in a sense. And so, yeah, I have that on my channel there. Uh, but that's the thing. I, like, I'm finished with the script, but it, it, the, the, uh, the play itself doesn't necessarily have any satisfactory, uh, satisfactory, satisfactory ending to it. Uh, and I don't necessarily think that I actually have concluded very much from having written all of this. Uh, I, okay, I, I have concluded one thing at least is that, um, and actually have a, a, I guess, secondary, secondary kind of source agreeing with me in that the, the Nietzschean is kind of the only one that has managed to fully rebuke or, or uh, fully rebuff all of the antinatalist arguments simply because he rejects the concept of morality in, in general. 
or ethics in, in general, anything yeah. like that. Like there are no prescri prescriptiveness aspects to uh, nature. But uh, that it's a uh, bitter pill to really swallow. And I'm not even so sure if he's like correct in that. It's only that from his worldview, he's capable of like rejecting everything the anti-natalist says. But that's a, the other thing. It, from the other worldviews, if, if there is this aspect of descriptiveness to nature, of things ought and ought not to do, then the antinatalist was capable of using that simple component from the other people's worldviews to uh, really argue for his case. So I probably should have explained. I don't know if you mentioned it because you were cutting out a little bit. Uh, antinatalism is the philosophy uh, or I guess ethical position that to bring a person into existence is ultimately a harm towards them that would not have occurred if they were not brought into existence. Therefore, we ought not to bring any new life into existence or at least human life for, for sure. Mm. Uh, and basically allow for the uh, voluntary extinction of the human race. Yeah, I, I, it, it was new to me until a couple hours earlier, so I'm just still trying to figure out if there's any sense to it. Now, I, I did read uh, an amount of your script, and I do recall the, the Nijian character basically from the start saying, well, your morality, I, <laughs> I don't accept it, and I define my own, and you can make me. And mm -hmm. yeah, they yeah. also kind of... That kind of ends it there, you know, for that particular role, because well, they don't adhere to any of the other contracts. Yeah. And yeah, I, I understood. I understood what you said when you described the characters, like uh, the I think the Catholic lady is is one of uh, one of those worldviews, and <laughs> yeah, I uh, and I remember you talking to some people when you were trying to work out who was going to voice who. So, uh, how, how how have people received it? Um, I, I didn't expect it to really make much traction just because it's such a weird topic to really <laughs> try to broach with anybody. Like I, I, even like during the writing process, trying to mention it to like, Oh, this is the thing I've been working on. Like, Oh, what's your, the script that you've been writing? Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's this script about this guy that's trying to convince five other, other people to, uh, for the uh, humanity to kind of voluntarily go extinct. Oh, that's, that's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, so I've, I've gotten some uh, feedback from it and that's the thing. It, it's, it's a hard pe uh, piece of work to really uh, I don't know, respond to just because it doesn't have that like satisfactory ending to it like oh mm. here's how he, he they finally proved him wrong or he here's how they finally proved all of them wrong and here's why antinatalism is correct anything like that that you kind of get from uh certain other dialogues or things like that so it, it's it's like a uh it's more like a peterson sam harris debate yes <laughs> yeah very much like that or just agree to disagree in a sense, but that's the thing. It's such it's a such a salient topic that I don't know if you can just agree to disagree on something so important as the uh, voluntary extinction of the human race. So I, I don't know. Just to explain 
the anti-nihilist's position a little bit better is it's it's very much tied off of uh, utilitarianism and, and well, a, an aspect of utilitarianism. And it's funny because I was going through my research, I, I recognized how similar both uh, David Benatar's moral framework is to uh, that of Sam Harris's. And like they even had a uh, conversation with each other and they they managed to hit it off in a kind of sense that uh, the debate between Jordan Peterson and David Benatar just was utterly lacking on because the, the two were so completely di distinct in how they the world. Um, so yeah, it, it's this idea that be suffering itself has an, has a negative weight to it. Mm. And any amount of suffering that you go through is a, an experience of that negative. And so if we can, if we can make the world such that nobody ever has to experience any negatives, then that would be a good, right? So if by not having children, we can kind of accomplish that. That's the, I guess, antinatalist idea. I don't know, putting it kind of simply and as best as I can. Kind what of. a strange idea. I suffer. I mean, I'd love to be a dad. Is that not suffering because I don't get to? Like, it's such a strange way to look at these things. It's kind of limited in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about antinatalists is there's... The way that they view parenthood is almost like a aspect of selfishness for for the individual themselves that they there's i don't know that they're having the child just for their own sake and that's the only reason that anybody would have children is for their own sake but it's and, and that's the thing I, I don't know if there's a way in which to communicate anything else to them because that's i don't know they they have operating off off of this framework that life is ultimately kind of negative to have to go through like, in, in a sense uh, accepting uh, Peterson's uh, axiom that life is suffering but recognizing that the suffering is a negative meaning and reaching the conclusion that life itself is a negative it's a very hard topic to really write on when like for somebody like myself who's kind of primarily an optimist in, in how I live my life normally. And so it, it's really hard to uh, try to think in, in, and make decisions, or not make decisions, but yeah, operate and, and speak from the type of character that is an antinatalist for myself, mm. for, for myself to write from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is, uh, especially looking at that subreddit, you see these posters of, hey, here's the the climate change is happening and therefore it's immoral to create more life. And I'm thinking, what? 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 Like, it's like, at the same time, it's a sort of, I, I may only create life and I can guarantee that that life will not suffer. Well, yeah, the sorry you don't get to choose that reality yeah it i i sort of sympathize but i also just i don't know maybe it's an yeah. age thing. yeah that's the thing it, 
that's a weird thing about antinatalism is it operates off of this kind of unspoken term that we in modern life has have kind of accepted that anything a person does is okay just so long as they don't harm other people by doing so uh kind of that freedom of liberty is what along tied along with like the non-aggression principle or mm-hmm. or kind of i don't know liberalistic values um and, and and so it's when that's the thing that that kind of like framework or axiom is like viable enough to actually uh interact with other people that it, it's hard by you by accepting those those principles to actually argue against them in a sense yeah i i i also don't see really the point of of trying to convince somebody to think otherwise because I don't think anything I'd say would convince them. I mean, I looked at the subreddit stats. There's, there's like 40,000 people there. Huh. Yeah. It's, I didn't realize there was quite that much on the subreddit. There, I guess their impact on YouTube is a little bit smaller. Of course, mm. I don't know, there's this guy, Mintam. I wonder how many subs he actually had. Excuse me. It's hard to find his YouTube channel. <laughs> Has it changed your ideas on natalism? Um, hmm. Not really. I mean, it, it's it's made it harder to. So for, for myself, I, I've kind of had this expectation that I, I'm going to have children. And, and... You're still there, John? You're breaking up a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not breaking up. But I, I'm having a hard time, I guess, responding to the question. So has writing this and, and, and looking at all of this changed my perspective on nat- natalism, really. Mm-hmm. Hmm. In a sense, it, it, it's... <sighs> okay, in one aspect, it, it has, uh, in that it's made me recognize that the if you let nature kind of run its own course, then it's not always going to be good so there there's assumptions about things like um, a, a male lion he'll uh, kill off any uh, children from a female lion's uh, from a female lion that he's kind of like taken over the the pack from so any other fathers uh any other male offsprings from other lions uh the the leader of the pack will just kill off Mm. and that's kind of a thing that you see in uh other animals as well like the zebra yeah yeah the zebra i shared on twitter (laughs) it's uh 
infanticide based off of, I guess, genetic lineage. Because, mm-hmm. like, so that was something that having a, I guess, more naive understanding from a my religious background, that was something that I, I was not prepared for. And it's, I don't know how well it can be integrated into the previous religious understanding that I had that nature itself or, or creatures within nature itself will behave immorally in a sense that I don't know if I can deny the immorality of these things. Um, the other aspect, I, I guess, in, in that it's changed my perspective is that, okay, so in, in the script, uh, the antinatalist sex disease or disorder or something like that where a, a child who's born is basically kind of like paralyzed and has seizures and will always ultimately die before uh, their fifth birthday hmm. and it, it's something that can be like you can abort the child be, before it, 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 it comes out uh, and you can like ha- have the, the uh, you can check for the genetic markers before it's even born. And, and he raises a point that 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 life of a child is ultimately one that is only going to face suffering and it will serve no real purpose uh, to have been born. And so if that child is one that we would say it would be better that they would not be born, what what distinction can really be made between that child and any other person that 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 is born. Yeah, I, I know, man. Uh, the, the whole word purpose is just standing out there. Mm-hmm. It's it's so difficult because because I think this is fundamentally where your worldview would be different if a personal God would be part of it. Because then that child exists and it suffers and your job is to love that child and care for it. Yeah, but it also raises the other problem of like, what type of, what type of storyteller writes a story in which the character is ultimately going to just face a meaningless life like that? Or and not just meaningless, but negative, and that it's experienced negatively, and it's negative for the people all around them. That yeah, also have to just, go through that. Can't just be a plot device, basically. Right. Yeah. Oh boy, that is. Yeah, it hooks into the problem of evil and suffering, and and I don't have an answer. To me, that's that's where atheism lurks. Yep. It's the strongest case that the atheist has. Mm. Yeah. And I don't I, know if it's really been resolved. I don't think so. No, it's it's the same like I had a discussion on assistive su- assist assistive <laughs> assisted suicide with someone recently where one of my arguments was well if if uh let's say my wife was pregnant and we discovered well 
the infant uh, has carries Huntington's, which is an awful disease. Well, would would mm-hmm. we abort? And and it's so hard because you know that that the certain potential that you are creating in that human is already like heavily scarred by the certainty of the genetic disease. And I don't know, man. I don't have a good answer to that. Yeah, and, and there's that other aspect, like that kind of f- comes along with it. Like if we accept that Huntington's is reasonable uh, is a reasonable instance in which abortion is a like the correct prescription to the problem, then are are the are the people that you know, abort their child for having autism or Down syndrome? Uh, is this is this like a logical shared conclusion that that can be made using those principles? And then I don't know, going yeah. even further along along with that as well. And then you end up at antinatalism. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well. We have just reached the hour, and I did not have an intention awesome. <laughs> to solve the problem right now. <laughs> no, John, I, I, I think this was an excellent conversation about many good topics. Yeah, and yeah, thanks for that. It, it's, it, it's, it's frustrating because I, I guess, put on an air of honesty that I don't give myself access to uh, in my day-to-day life. Uh, being able to talk and that to other people that it's way that I could share this type of honesty for who I am as I'm actually living and, and I don't that way I'm not kind of broken between or not broken but divergent between my online present self and my uh actually living, breathing, biological self that's walking around going to church on every other Sunday or so. Yeah. No, it's difficult, man. I mean, it, it's dead wood. It's, it's standing up straight with your shoulders back. It's, I'm, I'm similarly cagey about being horribly involved with religion to the point that I probably can't go back. So we ha- we'll have to bear the cross, man, and try to get better. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna yeah, end that's this, a, one this... thing I really appreciate about the uh, Discord group and all the people kind of following Vanderclay and Peterson and uh, I don't know people going um, interacting with this online conversation. Is that that's at least a component to it all? It's like trying to figure things out with each other and get better at it as best we can. Yeah, yeah, uh, I can't agree more. I'm glad this place exists. Yeah. John, thanks again for the great conversation, and maybe we'll talk again. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I don't know. Can I put a plug in? Oh, sure. (laughs) So, I mean, we we didn't really get to discuss it at all, but uh, I recently appeared on uh, Think Club's channel and and did a uh, debate with somebody I found on Twitter regarding uh, the, the simulation hypothesis. I know it, it kind of feels way out of left field from uh, all the other stuff that we talked about here, but uh, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of tied in to to it, and uh, I know we don't have enough time to go into it now since 
uh, midnight for you and, and yeah, just an hour, but it, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a very interesting reupsurgence to a, a topic that has kind of been, I don't know, off the table for a little while, but now it might, might just very well come back onto the, the table for public discussion, even from within a secularist framework. Sounds good. Uh, you know, you use your free will to send me the link, and then I'll use my free will to put it in the description. <laughs> All right, John, I'm, uh, I'm stopping recording now, and uh, you have a great day, man. Yeah, yeah, th thanks so much for talking with me, Joe. Likewise. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. -bye. Bye.